So if you would, turn with me to the book of Ephesians. Uh, see some uh, faces with us that haven't been with us over the, the last weeks. And so just I'll kind of do a bit of a review and catch us up where we're going. And then we'll jump into to the thought for the day. So we've been talking about, and even in connection, I know it was a little bit different this morning, but even in connection with communion and just using this as an example, we've been talking about living in, if you will, in the balance of grace and faith, right? Living in this understanding of grace and faith for this reason, because we go minister grace and faith to our world. So we live in grace and faith. That is how the kingdom operates. But we want to have understanding of that because that's what we minister to the world. Right? So here in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, very famous verse, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. That is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Right, so here Paul says, by grace, through faith, we were saved. Again, some weeks ago we said it like this, by grace, through faith, we came into the kingdom of God. We were born into the kingdom of God by grace, through faith. Grace, again, is everything, like communion table, grace is everything that has been freely given to us by Christ. So again, who, uh, who, uh, who set, who set this table? So, well, Audra set the table physically, but I'm still going metaphorical here. Okay. So, so who set the table? Jesus. Who, who made this possible? Jesus. Did Jesus ask for our help? No. Did Jesus come and consult us how we would like this to transpire? No, everything we did here by grace, everything Jesus freely did for us because of who he is, that's grace. Does that make sense? He freely gave it. He freely did it. He will. And that freely means willingly, excitedly, yeah. eagerly, even though we know he tussled like we do, he tussled with his humanity he tussled with his own soul, but not grudgingly, right? He, he, he was there willingly. It says, but for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame for the joy. Mm -hmm. So remember, everything Jesus did here, even though, yes, it was brutal and harsh and hard. So I'm not trying to take away from that, but he did it willingly, have you ever worked real hard for something because you wanted to? Yes. We've all been there, right? There's been things we've done before, and at the end of that day, you were tired. Yeah. You were sweaty. You were dirty, right? You, you, you exerted yourself. It might have even been physically painful, but you stood back at the end and go, man, I'm so glad I did that. Yeah. Are you with me? Man, I'm so glad. That makes me happy. That was Jesus and his work for us. That's grace. And faith, and I love, and again, just taking this straight from Brother Andrew Womack, faith is simply our positive response to grace. What is faith? 
my yes to all that Jesus did. My positive response to what was done for me. But we said again, so by grace through faith we were saved. We could say it like this, by grace through faith you were healed. By grace through faith you were prospered. By grace through faith you've been given a divine purpose and plan. See, how we were born into the kingdom is how we will live in the kingdom. Right? So we were saved from our sin and given eternal life. Again, quote, unquote, we'll go to heaven when we die. Right? By grace through faith. But I'll partake of healing by grace through faith. I will live in prosperity by grace through faith. Here, I pastor you guys by grace through faith. Do you see how this, this is why this is important. And what we're, again, we're learning this so that we can live in it. So we know how the kingdom operates, but also we know what to communicate to the world that doesn't know that. Does that make sense? Because most, most of the world, they think they got to set the table. Yes. True. Right. <laughs> they think they got to go do something to earn it. Right. Oh, well, when I, again, when I get rid of, and, and, and Miss Teresa, this is for you, okay? When, our text, when I get rid of unforgiveness, then I can be forgiven. It doesn't work that way. Right? Hello, because I mean, many times we think about the, the yo mama stuff, right? You know, we think about, you know, adultery or drug use or, you know, the, I call them the yo mama sins, right? <laughs> right. But how do how you know there's, there's the famous, there's sins of commission and there's sins of omission, things we should do that we don't do that, that are just as wrong as things we shouldn't do that we do do. Okay. Does that mean, <laughs> does that make sense? Right. You know, uh, and, and so, but when were they paid for? All at the same time. Hello? <laughs> Does that make sense? How, how do I get free from my sins of commission and my sins of omission the same way? I go, oh, thank you, Jesus. You have already forgiven me of that. It's already been taken care of. By grace, you have done that for me. Now, I will just say yes to what you've already done. And I will allow that yes to empower me to not do or to do, do. Bathroom jokes, I guess, today. I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> does that make sense? Does that help us, right? This is, but see, the world doesn't know that. The world doesn't know the grace of God. The world thinks they have to prepare the table, Right? The world, the world doesn't think faith is a positive response. They think faith is a negative response in this regard. It's a blind leap off a cliff. And you never can tell what's going to happen to you. God may catch you. He may just let you go splat. Wow. Right? Do you, do you understand? So the, we live in this so that we can live in it, but we also want to understand it so we can communicate it. Because as I've said before, every time I've talked to people and I've told them, 
you are 100% forgiven right now already by what Jesus has done. And you are already right now 100% healed. Already right now 100% provided for. Amen. And not just again, and not just for the needs. And I, I, I may have to use that analogy again. I hope y'all didn't think I was too sacrilegious. You know, what Jesus did in provision is more like a Krispy Kreme donut than an old stale saltine cracker. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad? Amen. Because it says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Maybe we can do Krispy Kreme donuts for a whole communion, you know. I have all these, just for funny, just to, so y'all know, those who don't know me know the way I think. I think there needs to be a whole raft of real Southern um, communion things. So maybe we need to do Krispy Kreme donuts and a little thing of milk, <laughs> right? That would be a great communion thing. Or we could do Oreos and milk. That would also be a neat communion thing. Uh, my, my favorite, though, is, is we could get some of that Dreamland barbecue sauce and the white bread. And we can just <laughs> dip and dip. Brad's crazy thinking. Miss Eloise is shaking her head. So it's like, no. So. You leave that out. Don't like chocolate. Leave the chocolate. Take the donut. Gotcha. Yes, ma'am. Sounds good. But hey, but listen, guys, but for real, but you're already 100% provided for. Already. Just receive. Just say yes to what has already been done. Faith is simply your positive response. Will you? It is not Baptist teaching. It's not a lot of Pentecostal teaching either. Because many times, again, we, we, we tell people that I have to, there's, there's something I have to do to set the table. Yeah. To earn it. Right? And, and yes, uh-oh. Sure, please. Uh, you're, you're, you're related to me, so you can do whatever you want to. <laughs> when it comes to provision, something that the Lord showed me that really helped me. I love pictures, okay, because I think we follow pictures in, in our mind uh, subconsciously. But when we talk about provision or healing or any of that, you know, um, the Prince of Wales doesn't have to beg the queen to pay for his airfare to go do royal <coughs> stuff. Yeah. He doesn't have to ask uh, or go find a job so he can pay for the new suits in order to go represent the kingdom. They don't have to. They are royalty. Everything is provided for by the kingdom so they can represent the king or the queen. And so it's the same thing with us. We are, we are God's kids. Right? We are part of this kingdom. And even when it comes to direction and just the picture I get is not a master telling the servant, go do this. It's literally king talking to his kids saying, as a family, this is where we're headed. Mm -hmm. This is so I need you to go do X, Y, Z. I need you to go do X, Y, Z. And really, there's not even and I'll make sure you have full provisions. It's not even mentioned because everyone just assumes the king sent me. I'm his kid. Yeah. I'm going to go do kingdom business. Of course, everything's covered. I don't even ask. I don't even. It's just an assumption. Yeah. Right. So when we think of that picture, it's well, I mean, it, the, 
You can put it on the kingdom's tab. It's already provided for. He's already making sure that everything, he's a loving king. So everything is, is going to be there when you, when you get there and when you need it. And, and it's not skimpy because we're God's kids. It's royalty. They don't get the cheapest soup. They don't get the cheapest whatever. They don't fly economy. I'm sorry. They don't fly economy. <laughs> and I'm not saying that now we have to peg to the other side where everything is, has to be a luxury, okay? Um, I know a lot of people that are very wealthy that rather fly economy because then they can make everything stretch further because it's not about them. It's about how many people am I going to reach. Yeah. And quite frankly, that is that balancing factor. Yeah. Right. No, they're very good. And it, well, and, and on that regard, remember, Jesus is known as the King of Kings. So he's the capital K of a whole bunch of lowercase K. Who are the lowercase kings? We are. We are. Have you ever thought about that? He's not talking about, you know, he is the God of gods. Sometimes I think we think about that that way. He is the King of kings he is the lord of lords that that, those lowercase kings and lowercase lords that's you and i that's how we need to think of ourselves right does that help make some sense in that y'all look at me all like a everybody take a take a big deep breath look at your neighbor and say hello king hello hello lord hello queen (laughs) <laughs> no, and you need to think, and it's a good point. We, we need to see ourselves that way. And, and, and on Thursdays and moving forward, please ask lots of clarifying questions. Oh, and, and like we've done here, you can ask questions here live. That's not a problem. Uh, I like the clarity. I love the conversation because I want to make it clear like what Celine was saying. Because sometimes in this kind of stuff, we're not saying now everybody has to run out and buy, you know, high-end items. Right. But what I want everybody to do is to think of yourself as Scripture thinks of yourself. And then it will, he will lead you in what you need to do. Does that, does that make sense? Because sometimes I think some of the error on the other side we do with this is we say things like this. And everybody feels like, oh, well, i got to run out and go get myself in a whole bunch of debt. Or i got to go, please hear me. Or the pile and the quality of my stuff determines the quality of my spirituality. That is also wrong. Can I just say that out loud? Do you understand? You know, I love what Brother Keith Moore used to say. You know, at the end of all of this, anything that didn't matter for the kingdom will be turned into ashes. And some people are just going to have a bigger pile of ashes than the other person. <laughs> That's right. Does that make sense? Right. And, and so we, and we'll talk about some of that stuff in, in a future series before the end of the year. Because we will have a great conversation about heaven. And if I can just go ahead and just do a teaser. I want to get us so excited for eternity that we're all ready to die. (laughs) Can I just say, I just want to be that bold, right? I want you to be so excited about where we're going that you just can't wait to get there. And any day longer here is an extreme aggravation. (laughs) Right? Or, or great anticipation. You know, I like going to vacation. You know how you're talking about, talking about people have vacation brain? You know those people, you know, they, you know they're going on vacation like next week and they're at work and they're already gone. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. 
Yeah, yeah, they're, yeah, yeah. They're there and they're trying. And they are. They're trying real hard, but they're already <laughs> in their mind on the beach. I almost really, I want us to be that way about heaven. Where we're still here, but we're so excited that we have to say, no, 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 I'm still here. I'm still here. I'm, I'm still here. I got to be here. I'm, I'm not there yet. I'm here, but I'm really looking forward to going there. Amen. Okay. So that's, that's all free. That's all teaser stuff, but we're talking about this and this is kind of the backstory. So now let's talk about today because one of the things that we've talked about with this and all that I've talked about here, living in the balance of grace and faith, everything that's been freely given to us by Christ, our positive response is connected to what we've called a process of persuasion. Right. I love what Tony, when he was here, Tony said, uh, how do we close the gap? Because in us, in each and every one of us, myself included, in some of these things, there's a gap. Right? Again, I've been as transparent as I can be with you guys. When it comes to healing, I know in me there's a gap. Right? Where I know I am 100% healed. I understand. I, I, I can take you to the verses. I know that that is true. But I know there's a gap between what I know is true and where my heart today is currently persuaded. Yeah. Again, we talked about this. Taking that word faith and as a bit of a Bible study exercise, we're going to substitute any time in Scripture we read the word faith, I want you to substitute it for the word persuasion. We took this from uh, Romans chapter 4 around verse 23 when Abraham... Say it, or it was said, it was, Abraham didn't say this, but it was said of Abraham, and Abraham being fully persuaded that the one who promised was able to do what he had promised. When he was fully persuaded, it was accounted unto him as righteousness. I personally, now this is a Bradology, right? I can't prove it in scripture, but you can't disprove it either. Right, So this is a Bradology, is that I believe when Abraham was fully persuaded, that's when his plumbing worked. Does that make sense? That's when his impotence was turned around. That's when Sarah's barrenness was converted. Is when he came to a place and he was, I'm persuaded. And, and we talked a little bit about... What we mean by that, persuasion is like this. Abraham was so persuaded that later on, it says in Hebrews chapter 11, of his son Isaac, he said, God said, not just any boy that comes from Sarah, but this boy who came from Sarah, he is the seed of promise. And if I kill him and burn him and turn him to ashes, God will raise this boy up from the ashes. It was also, he was so persuaded that it says, in, again, back in, in Romans, he could look at his body and go, okay, yeah, the plumbing hadn't worked in a while, but God said, and I'm not moved by my impotence. I'm not moved by what sacrifice God has asked me to do. I am moved by what I am persuaded of in my heart. Does that make sense? See, guys, that's when I believe. And in us, there is this, this range 
of getting myself persuaded. Does that make sense? And I want to talk about that because I don't want us to get off into, and everybody here, we have some guys, I hope y'all will come back and, and still love me with what I'm about to say. Uh, I, I don't want us to get off into the word of faith legalism that, that can lend into some of this, right? Where we turn into the confession police, we turn, <laughs> right, we turn into, we turn into a, just a different form of legalism. It just is more acceptable legalism than others. Well, it's, yeah, well, it's, it's, it's Pentecostal witchcraft, yeah, right? Right. It, it, it's holiness Phariseeism, right? So I want to talk about that, and, and, and I really want to make sure this is clear for us, what we can see in Scripture about that. What does that look like, right? What does it look like to close the gap, right? So if I can say it like this, the... One of the only, quote unquote, things you need to do is just persuade your heart. Because who, who set the table? Jesus. So is the work already done? So are we doing anything to help bring the work into completion? Because the work is finished. When Jesus on the cross that day said, it is finished. That's what he talked about. It's, it, it's done. I have finished what needs to be done. It's finished. Right? So we're not talking about persuading ourselves that I have to now read my Bible more and that'll finish the work. I have to pray harder and that'll finish the work. Right? I've got to, I've got to come to church and hear awesome preaching from Brad Every time the doors are open because that'll finish the work. Even though I'd love you to be here every time the doors are open. D -d Does that make sense? But it's this idea of what am I doing? I'm persuading my heart. I'm persuading my heart, which we said before, which means sometimes persuasion is you've got to tell me one more time. All of us need to hear the gospel one more time. All of us need to hear what Jesus has completed one more time. Right. I, love, I love what Paul and Peter in their letter said. For us to repeat to you the same thing again is not tedious or taxing, but beneficial. Because we all need to hear it one more time. We all need to hear it again and hear it again and hear it again. Does that make sense? Because we're persuading our heart. And I'm endeavoring to close the gap, not to finish the work, but to close my persuasion between where I am today and the truth that it is finished. Does that make sense? So that like Abraham, I can get to a place where I'm fully persuaded about the promises of God. That I can look at natural circumstances that are real in the moment. Abraham was really impotent. He wasn't faking it. Right? Sarah just didn't have a headache. Right? <laughs> right? Sarah, Sarah was barren. Right? <laughs> right? She wasn't playing. She wasn't goofing off. She wasn't being neglectful as a spouse. No, she was literally had an issue. But to get to a place where my issue does not move me. I can look whatever square eyeball to eyeball dead in the face and go, yeah, I'm not bothered by that. 
Does that make sense? And we said a little bit on Thursday night, see, that's the difference between living from our spirit and living from our soul. In today's Christian culture, so many of us live in our soul, our mind, our will, our emotions, right? And if the circumstance changes, my persuasion changes, right? If I don't see things ever how fast enough, quick enough, big enough, whatever enough, I'm moved. Well, did that change this? No, this is still 100% done. It just shows me, oh, I'm not persuaded. Yes. So, all right, so we talk about Mm-hmm. If you do, if you do it like this right here, then God's gonna. Yeah. And, and I do understand that you have to, like, you know, you say become the word, but don't be conforming to the word, but be transformed by the word. Yeah. Whatever truth God speak to you through somebody, take that. And I, me personally, I feel like it's important to memorize it, to get it in your heart, so you won't forget it. Yes. So that began to change it because like like what you just said about when when circumstances happen and then you know once that moved and you move and you're not solid in that right yeah. there. See, I'm more than that. Yeah. You know? And so to just be solid on the time yes. it is finished. It's now. done. Like that has to get in you. Like, I mean, you yes. Yes. Okay, we're going to talk on that. So, so I, I need to share some stuff. So I'm going to go real quick and share a lot of stuff, and then we'll back up. And over the coming weeks, we'll unpack it a little bit deeper. Okay. Does, does that help make sense? And please, 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 like we're doing here, stop me, ask questions Thursday night. Come ask questions because I know this is a lot. Okay, so. Two things. There's the word the Lord wants to share with us today that I've got to make sure it's, I need to share it today even if we go a little bit long. Does that, is that okay? Because somebody needs to hear it today. I can't wait till next week um, on one side. But B, to kind of place some of that up and to help ourselves identify ourselves is, is this. Remember that, the, that Jesus said he gave us a parable, a story that he said was the key to understanding the kingdom. It was the famous parable of the sower. He says, if you get this one, you'll know how the kingdom works. You'll know how life works. You'll know how your life works. You'll understand how to live if you hear this. And we all know that. Jesus tells the story about a sower who went out and he sowed seed, which Jesus said is the word of God. Right? So the sower is sowing the word. We know that the seed fell on four types of ground. Well, now here's the thing you need to understand. All of us can have any one of these types of ground in different areas of our heart. Many times I think we hear this story and we think of our whole heart. And now remember when we'd say the word heart, I love what Pastor Dusty would teach us when he was with us. 
that, that a great way to define the, the, the word heart Jesus is talking about is your core belief system. There is a belief system that connects your born-again spirit and your soul. It's the junction point. The, 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 the piece that ties, you know, because you, we've all heard well-intended preachers. Well, there's head knowledge, right? And there's what? And there's heart knowledge. And the difference between your head and your heart is 18 inches. And I want to scream and go, that helps nobody with nothing, right? It sounds really good teaching, but it is, as my mama would say, it's as useful as tits on a boar hog, right? And so it's just not useful, right? So the difference between your head, your soul, and your heart is what you believe at your core. Your core belief system is what ties your born-again spirit and your soul together. That's why scripture tells us that the only instrument on planet earth that is sharp enough to help you distinguish between your spirit and your soul is the word of God. It's the only thing because your belief system is so intertwined. On a very natural basis, we now know through brain science and psychology that 85% of your core belief system is established in your life by the time you're five years old. How many of you remember before five? From zero to five. Like most people, I get every time I ask that question and like this, you get a couple of people and I envy you so much that they go, yeah, I remember that. I can go, I was two and a half years old. And the sky was blue and the flowers were pink and, and, and I'm awesome. Most everybody else is, I barely remember yesterday. Right? <laughs> you, know I mean? you know what I mean? So most of all of us, 85% of what we believe was established in us in a five-year period that we don't even remember. And we had no control over. We had no input into There it was. They now say the other 15% that is missing is established in you by the time you're 15. So between zero and 15 years of age, your core belief system, that mechanism that ties your soul and your spirit together is established. They used to think once it was set in place, it was like cement. And Brother Hagin used to say this all the time. It was thoroughly mixed up and completely set. Right, <laughs> you know, and so, um, and they used to think it was unmoving, it was unmovable. It was once your core belief system was in place, well, sorry, what you believe is what you believe. Now, through people, and if you haven't read her works, I encourage you a, a, a list of books is from Dr. Carolyn Leaf, L E I F, like Leaf Erickson. Dr. Carolyn Leaf, who is a born again, spirit filled, Holy Ghost believing brain scientist and they are discovering through modern science that you can rewire your belief system you can change that see guys that rewiring of your belief system is what paul was communicating to us is that's what we call renewing your mind that's right renewing your mind isn't just 
you got to change the way you think. Biblical renewing of your mind is you got to rewire your belief system. That's why Paul to the Colossians or whoever he says it uniquely this way, you must be renewed in the attitude of your mind. Mm-hmm. Have you ever wondered about that little phrase? Yeah. I never knew my mind had an attitude. I knew I had an attitude, but I never knew my mind had an attitude. What Paul is actually saying that there is a hard wiring in your soul. There is a belief system, an attitude in your soul, in your mind. And that attitude, that belief system must be rewired into the image of Christ. Have you ever wondered again why Paul said things like this to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 10? Now y'all pay attention, okay, because God's on this, right, for somebody here today, all right? Because I'm saying stuff I've never said before, just to give y'all fair warning, okay? So nobody go sleepy on me, okay? Uh, So (laughs) does that mean, but have you ever wondered why Paul tells the Corinthians in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, I must bring every thought, every imagination Right, every opinion. Remember, hey, thoughts, imaginations, and opinions are the building blocks of belief. Your thoughts, your imaginations, and your opinions build your core belief system. He says you must bring those components of belief into the obedience of Christ. Notice it didn't say that you needed to make them obey. You needed to bring them to Christ's obedience. You need to bring them to what Jesus, how did Jesus obey? No, Jesus obeyed by doing this. Remember, Paul said in Philippians chapter 2, he said, Jesus, who was God and knew he was God, knew he was equal with God, didn't consider it robbery to be equal with God, emptied himself of his divine attributes, his omniscience, his omnipresence, and his omnipotence, emptied himself, took on the likeness of sinful flesh. Didn't say he was sinful flesh. He just took on the likeness of sinful flesh, came down in the form of a servant, humbled himself and became obedient even to the point of death on the cross. The, this, what we're talking about, grace, the finished work, is the obedience of Christ. I have to bring my thoughts, my opinions, right? What else did I say? My imaginations. I have to bring those to the obedience of Christ. What, what does that mean taking communion? We, the reason why we take communion every week is I want you to know what's already done. And I want you to bring your imagination to, again, how healed am I? How prospered am I? How provided for am I? As Selena said, for the work God has asked me to do. Again, and, and, and again, if I, and I'm going to be bold here, okay? Y'all still love me? Say, Brad, you're my friend. That's why when we talk about prosperity, I'm not talking about money. I'm not talking about how much I make an hour. How do I improve my bottom dollar? 
I'm talking about how do I be obedient to do what God has asked me to do. Hello? Does that make sense? Everything is about how do I be obedient to what God has asked me to do. Okay, I'm going to meddle just a little bit. It's all right. And if it means I make less money, but I can be more obedient, it's better for me to be poorer and more obedient than it is for me to be richer and not able to do what God has asked me to do. Now I'm preaching to myself. All right. I'm preaching to me. <laughs> Does that make sense? Because that's all part of that stuff, right? I have to define because Jesus was obedient. And the high goal of the kingdom is obedience. Right? The high calling of God in Christ Jesus is one of obedience. Will I do, like what Selena said, will I do what he has asked of me to do? Not because if I do that, then he'll bless me. But because he's deemed me faithful, worthy, and sufficient to do what he has asked of me to do. And it would be dishonoring to my king for me to say, no, I am not faithful enough, worthy enough, or sufficient enough to do what you've asked me to do. I've got to go step outside. Come on now. Again, this is, I told you I want to minister to you by the Spirit of God more than anything else. Does that make sense? So we bring things to the obedience of Christ. That's my belief system. I have to bring my thoughts, my imaginations, my opinions, and I have to bring them to the obedience of Christ and say, Lord, if you said it's sufficient, it's sufficient. If you said I'm healed, I'm healed. If you said I'm prospered, I'm prospered. If you said I'm forgiven, I'm forgiven. And I don't care. I could, I, I could have just cussed out somebody and done something I shouldn't have done. And I'm still, I'm still forgiven. And it's the power of that belief and how forgiven I am that I can go, oh, yes. Hey, say sorry for cussing you out. I apologize. I didn't really do that. I'm just trying to. I can't pick on somebody else, right? You know what I mean? Does that make sense? But that didn't change my status of forgiveness. Does this make sense? And I'm renewing my belief system to the obedience of Christ. Did, does that make Did you want to say something or have a question? Yeah. That he realized that he was being obedient, but he wasn't being willing. Yes. And that scripture that says you have to be willing, willing and, and obedient. obedient yes. And that part of bringing everything to Christ was like him saying, okay, I'm willing. I'm willing. To, to submit to the pers- having my mind changed. Yes. And that's a really important because sometimes we think, oh, I'm just obedient and just drudging along. Yeah. Eventually everything will catch up. But that's right. Willingness to be obedient. To be obedient. Yes. And back to that willingness is, is and, and that's why, again, as an, and 
it's an attitude, but it's back to what Paul said. Again, whenever, I, and so please hear me with this, and, and this is a bit of a parenthesis. We'll get back in real quick. Whenever you hear me speak of ministry, like pastoring or ministry, I'm not speaking on it because I'm trying to say everybody needs to be a pastor. Right. right. But I, I, I use it because the Bible says us as pastors, for example, as ministers, we are your example. We are to be the pattern of life, right? Does that make sense? So when we, when we look at this, it, it's why what you were saying when it says to us as pastors, it says, pastors, you need to be willingly pastoring. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you, not as, you don't need to lord it over God's people, but you need to willingly, not from obligation, not from grudgingness, but willingly Lead God's people. Because, and the reason why is because they need to see what willing and obedient looks like. Yeah. That's why I get, again, personal pet free, but Brad's going to get off the box. I'm going to step on this for a second. I'll get right back off. It's why I get aggravated when I hear pastors talk about, well, you know, God had to drag me kicking and screaming into the ministry. I'm like, going, if that has not changed, please stop ministering to people. <laughs> <laughs> if, that, if that attitude has not been reversed, and you now are so eager and excited and happy to be there, please stop until you can get willing. <laughs> because you need to be willing and obedient. Right? And willing means joyfully, happily, eagerly, excitedly, wantingly obedient. That's why the scripture takes, again, as an example to children... And while we told our children since they were little, right, that there's the three points of obedience to parents, right? You listen attentively, you answer and respond, and you obey instantly without reservation. That's what it means to obey cheerfully. Your parents and the Lord, right? That's why if, if I get bad attitude obedience, that's not obedience, if I get obedience with reservation, <coughs> right, I guess. That's right. And I, uh, when you started saying that, all I could do was this. That, well, uh, and, that's, and, and, and that's why I snapped, uh, that's why I have, I have snapped to you your whole life. Right, not because I'm calling a dog, but because I want you to know it's a snap. You can get willing that fast. You can, yeah, exactly right. You can get in trouble that fast, but you can get, listen, you can get willing that fast. You can be obedient that fast. You can change. It doesn't have, it can be, right? So now real quick, because of time's sake. So all of that was free. Amen. But here's what got... What, what does this process of persuasion then look like? What are we looking? Because it, is it just read the Bible more? No. no. And even though I totally agree with what Cedric said, we should be memorizing Scripture. That is a great... Oh, you were asking me a question. Well, oh, well, well, here's, well, well let me talk about this. We should... Okay, so here's, here's for you then, Cedric. You have to understand, inside of you, in your spirit... 
you have an entire and complete copy of the Bible written on your heart. That's what the scripture says. That he took what was on tablets of stone and he transferred them and wrote them on tablets of flesh, that is your spirit. And then the author of the book moved in with your spirit to help you interpret what was written on your spirit. So see, you have a whole version and the author inside of you. The reason why you have a physical book on the outside of you is you need to convince the other half of that belief system. Your spirit believes at 100%. Your spirit man on the inside knows this better than this. Right? Because there's a written copy of the Bible in your spirit and the author is there helping you interpret Mm -hmm. and clarifying what he wrote. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? The reason why we read the Bible and memorize scripture is not to get the word in us because you can't get it in you any further than written on your heart and and the author living in your heart. How how much deeper can you get the Bible? So that's one of the things we've told people and it sounds really spiritual. As Brother Hagin used to say, it sounds really spiritual, but it's just really stupid. Right? (laughs) Right? Is that I got to get the word in me. I got to get the word. No, what I have to do is I have to, out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. So you've got, you've got a living witness right here. Holy Ghost. And the book written on your spirit. God believes in your spirit is all tatted up. Because all over, all over your spirit... He is, he is permanently tattooed the word of God all over your spirit, man. Now what you do is you're reading what is already here. That's why Paul says this can be a mirror more than a picture. Because it's already there. Have you ever wondered why Paul used that analogy before? While Paul didn't say the word of God is a picture of what you can become possibly if you're a good little boy or girl. Paul said, no, no, the word of God, the law of liberty is a mirror. What does a mirror do? Does a mirror paint an image or reflect an image? The mirror does not paint an image. The mirror show, does the mirror show you a could be image? No. What does a mirror show you? What is. So if you got a big old booger hanging out your nose. And you look in the mirror, it doesn't show you with a clean nose. The mirror will show you the booger. Does that make sense? Right? That's what it will do. Well, guys, this is a mirror of who you actually are. Not going to be one day. Not one day in the sweet by and by. Not one day if you get all your ducks in a row or you dot all your I's or you cross all your T's. He says, you look into this and you actually see in the mirror what is actually true. So when he looks and goes, oh, you're righteous. Oh, as he is, so are you. In this world, John said. Oh, oh, you are holy. 
Oh, you are beloved. Oh, you are accepted. Oh, you've been given a treasure in an earthen vessel. Oh, he's not saying one day. He's saying, oh, that's the mirror. That's me right now. Hallelujah. Yeah. Even Christians sometimes don't, they're like, they're sort of saved, like nominally saved, but they're so frustrated and upset, and it's just because they don't completely realize that yeah. that is the mirror. And I feel like so many, have you ever walked into a bathroom, like, at a, a, a park or whatever, or at a gas station, and they're all cheap, so they don't get the mirror, uh-huh. expecting it? And then you walk in and you're like, well, dang it. You know, yeah. that, I feel like that's kind of how people are sometimes. They just genuinely don't know what they look like or who they are because they, they can't see it. Well, 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 what happens is, is this. The Bible says it. James says it like this. We look into the perfect law of liberty and we see ourselves, and then being forgetful when we turn away. We forget. Now notice it says what manner of man you are. <laughs> we, we look here and this tells me the manner of man that I am. But my, my problem is, is that if I look away from here, which we all can do, please hear me, all of us, myself and all of us, we look away from here and I can forget. I can forget what kind of, that's why again, we have to come and hear it again. We have to come to the mirror and look again. We have to come and see it again. But I want you to, but many times what I've seen, and this is the problem when it comes to mind renewal, people read their Bible and they go, oh yeah, that's what I'm going to be one day. This, the Bible is painting me a picture of my possibility. But the Bible is not painting you a picture of your possibility. The Bible is painting you a picture of your reality. Not even, let me back up. Wrong way to say that, Brad. It's not even painting a picture. It is reflecting to you the image of your reality. That's what it's doing. You're looking at this and going, oh, that's who I am. And what happens too many times, if we're not careful as good old church folk, is we start arguing with the mirror. You know, I argue with my mirror. I look in the mirror and go, you know, I'm not that fat. Right? Oh, come on now. Y'all look at me. I, 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 I don't have that many gray hairs. Right? Have y'all, anybody else like me? You know, I look in the mirror, and one day I look in the mirror and go, and, and sorry, I, y'all know I'm the preacher that swears, right? So sometimes I look in the mirror and I go, dang, I don't say that word. I go, I go, dang, that's a lot of gray hair. Right? And then sometimes I look in the mirror and go, you know, it's not that bad. And sometimes I look in the mirror and I go, I think it's, it's getting browner again. That must be a miracle. It must be the same. But, but guys, listen. We argue. I cannot tell you why. But people argue with the mirror. Oh, that's not, that's not true. I can't be that holy. I can't be that righteous. Right. I, I can't be that. Uh, no, that's not. Uh-uh. That's not me. Well, there's got to be a little sin in there somewhere. 
There's got to be a verse that'll show me. Come on. So you guys, listen to me. There's nothing more detrimental to persuading your heart than arguing with the mirror. Again, to quote, Brother Hagin said it for years, and I don't think it was original to him. The Bible says it. That settles it. The pathway. How do I close the gap? If the Bible says it, that said, and I will take any other opinion about myself captive to the obedience of Christ. You've heard me say this for years if y'all have been with me. If my opinion about me is different than God's opinion about me, then I would be wise to stick with God's opinion. Even if I don't feel it, even if whatever, I would just be able to stand back and go, okay, God, you said it. If you said it, that settles it, right? Again, I love, I think it was Brother John, John Osteen, Joel's daddy, used to hold his Bible up. And you want to do it with me? And would say this, and say, this is my, do it with me. I'll play along, play my games, all right? Hey, hold up your Bible and say, this is my Bible. I can have what it says I can have. I can do what it says I can do. I am what it says I am. Because it's the mirror. Now, everybody got a, a few more minutes. I'm going to kick open, because I still haven't got to today's thought, believe it or not. But I am running out of time, and I understand that the heart can only receive what the backside can endure. Right? And so, uh, go with me. Where are we going again, Father? To Romans chapter 10. And I'm going to hit this hard and heavy and we'll back up and maybe unpack it a little bit more next week. Romans chapter 10. We've looked at this verse before, but I want to highlight something that I do believe is key. And I had actually, again, I was a forgetful here. I had actually forgotten about this until recently. Romans chapter 10. And we looked at verse 17, again, talking about how do we close the gap. So faith, and again, we're using our little exercise. So my persuasion comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Does that make sense? So faith comes. How does faith come? How does persuasion come? Again, remember, and we know we're talking about salvation faith here. Right? We're talking about anything that is, is in connection to the table. Right? It comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And I, I got to say, remember, faith does not come by seeing. You will never lead somebody to Jesus by living a good Christian life only. Because faith does not come by seeing. It's one of the greatest deceptions, I believe, in the modern church era that the devil has propagated is that I will live a nice, good little Christian life and through my good little Christian life, people will come to know Jesus. Danger, Will Robinson. Danger, danger. Because faith does not come by seeing. Faith comes by hearing. We have to preach the word of God, tell the word of God, declare the word of God, for a chance for faith to come. 
But that's not the point I want to get to. The point I want to get to is faith comes by hearing and hearing by, in that little word there, word, by the rhema of God. Now that word, some of you will know this. Some of this might be familiar with you. Some of this may not be. Okay. Again, I like doing Greek word studies. They are helpful. Right. We don't worship them. Okay. <laughs> right. But in this case, it is a very unique thing that I want to point out. Faith comes by hearing and hearing. Two types of hearing. Faith comes through, you got to hear. You got to hear the word of God. And hearing a rhema of God. So it's a double kind of instruction. For persuasion to come, you need to be hearing. the hearing. You need to be hearing, but you need to be hearing a word from God. And what that word rhema means is it means a spoken word is the direct and accurate translation. But I like to say it like this, hearing something that's alive, quickened, something that is, that is we would call it fresh, something. We've all experienced it, I'm sure. Have you ever been reading your Bible and all of a sudden you hear people say, this verse jumped out at me? Or I was reading in, 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 in a portion of a verse. It's like it leapt off the page. Has, has everybody ever had that happen before? That's a rhema, and that will produce faith. Some of y'all got it, some of you didn't. Let me say it one more time. That is a rhema. That will produce faith. That will produce persuasion. Because how many of you know, we've all done this too. We've all read the Bible. And well, I read it. <laughs> I, whew, okay. <laughs> you know, or you read it and you might go, what'd that mean? Or why is that there? Come on now. Now, did you hear the word of God? Come on now, play my game. Did you hear the word of God? But that didn't produce faith. That didn't help your persuasion one iota. was good for you to read it. Good for you to see that it's there. So guys, listen to me. When we talk about then how do we close the gap and I'm going to the Bible and I'm saying, Lord, I want to be persuaded. What you're actually saying is, is Lord, talk to me. Show me the peace that I need Right now, if you would show me the peace I need today to move my persuasion forward. I'm not just randomly reading. I'm not just logging time. I'm not just burning through my one-year Bible plan. I'm not, I'm coming to the living word of God. I'm coming to the living spirit of God. And remember, we got two copies of this. You're saying to the author, the Holy Spirit, hey, Holy Spirit, on the part that's on the inside of me that needs to help make the connection in my belief system, that needs to help me rewire, highlight it here so I can see it. The, the part that's weak in me, where my persuasion is weak, Holy Spirit, guide me to the peace on the external copy by highlighting the internal copy 
Because when you lead me in the external copy, and it's kind of like if you remember those old um, operators, they remember uh, what was that, you know, Andy Griffith? Or what was that, BR549? You know, you know, you remember the old TV shows? Huh? Hee Haw, you know what I mean? You know, Hee Haw, BR549. You know, but remember, uh, what was the, who was the operator in Andy Griffith? Sarah? Sarah, will you get me? And, and you all all know the old operator thing, how it used to work. Now, I was never allowed, I was never old enough to know this. Maybe some of y'all were to remember that, that, that the operator had a cable and, and she had two sets of switches, right? And so she would plug one end of the cable into the port that said your house and the other end of the cable into the port that was wherever you were trying to call and you made a connection. That's where all this terminology came from. She would connect you. That's what they would say. Sarah, connect me to, well, the connection piece is there's a port over here and a port. Guys, that's what you're doing when you go to the Bible. Holy Spirit, operator, my, my persuasion on healing, I know, I know it's not, it needs to grow, needs to get stronger. And the Holy Spirit plugs a port into the word of God that's in your spirit and then comes up and plugs a port into this copy and makes a connection and you go, whoa, never saw that before. Whoa, okay. See, you're reading for that. You're memorizing for that. You're memorizing so that you can, and, and you're go, and that's that process. You're saying, Lord, I, I know, I know I'm weak here, and that's not condemnation. I, I know that my persuasion isn't where it needs to be, dealing with this, right? So, 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 plug me in, connect me, right? Because you want to know, and I'm gonna, and I'll land the plane because I hear Charlie crying. Right, I'm going to land the plane and we'll come back here next week because there's more to say on this. But go to Luke. And now see if this verse in Luke doesn't make more sense. Here's the story. And again, for time's sake, the story of when Gabriel comes and talks to Mary. Right, you remember that, that story? Right, And I'm going to fast forward just a little bit to the end and then I'm going to back up a verse or two and I'm going to see if this makes more sense. And, and, and now mind and what we're all just saying. So then it says in verse 38 of chapter 1 of Luke, Luke chapter 1 verse 38, Then Mary said to, to Gabriel, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be done unto me according to your word. That word, word there is the word rhema again. What gave Mary the faith, the persuasion to actually receive Jesus physically? Is she got a word from God about what he was going to do in her life. And she said, okay, Lord, and I'm going to use it. Okay, Lord, let it be done unto me according to your rhema. What you have just spoken. Does that make sense? That was her heart. Okay, Lord. And you've heard me say that in connection to this verse before. That has to be our head. Okay, God. Let it be done unto, according to the rhema. If you say I'm free. And I had a rhema years ago. About how forgiven I am. 
right? And I read through chapter 5, see, and I've told you that story for about a year and a half. I just camped out in 5, 6, 7, and 8 of Romans. And I camped out there because I was tired of going back to porn and sex issues over and over again. And I said, Lord, I want this. I got to be free. And so he, he did what I'm telling you. He plugged in. Okay, you got to go to Romans chapter. And then he plugged me in over here and I just stayed there. And I read it and I read it. And every time I'd read it, I'd say, Lord, show me. I'm tired of this. I don't want this. There's, I know my heart tells me there's something different. My heart tells me there's a truth that, that I, I can know that it's true, but I don't know that it's true. And then finally, it jumped off the page to me. Oh, sin no longer has dominion over me. I've been freed from my sin. And then I've heard you. And then it came to me and good old, and the God will talk to you like you. He spoke to me as Brad would get it. He said, son, the only way I could free you from your sin is I had to free you from your sin. And I, and, with that, and I said, oh, I'm free from my sin. And it all fell off of me just like that. Because that was a rhema. Now back up one verse. This is Gabriel speaking in verse 37. For with God, it says nothing is impossible. But in the Greek language, that word nothing is the word rhema with the little negative A. For with God, no rhema is impossible. Wow. With God, nothing he shows you in the mirror and you finally see it and go, oh, that's who you are, that's who I owe. No rhema is ever impossible. Yes, sir? Nothing. Nothing. I have a note here. Okay. Many years ago. There shall be no spoken word or rhema of God void of power. Void of power. Love that. You go back to what you said earlier about the confession. Yeah. And the police Confession is simply agreeing with God. That's absolutely true. Absolutely. God has said the mirror. Absolutely. Now, I would totally agree with that. That is totally true. But we do it in the sense of, but in that moment when it becomes, if you will, a rhema, when it's alive to you. So, guys, listen to me. We keep reading, we keep memorizing, not for the quantity of reading or the quantity of memorization or for the action alone, but we go to God and say, God, talk to me. Show, and I want you in your imagination, I want you to, Holy Spirit, Sarah, connect me to healing. Sarah, connect me to forgiveness. Sarah, connect me to prosperity. Sarah, Connect me to my purpose. I'm making a direct call. I'm asking for a direct connection to something. And I'm going to stay at it with no pressure, with no work mentality. But I'm going to stay at it, Lord, until you connect. Does that make sense? That, see, that, how do you close the gap? That's how you close the gap. You first have to identify 
right? I'll, I'll tag into something uh, that Kevin shared on Thursday night, right? You have to identify, oh, that's my care. Because Kevin made a great point. How do you cast your care on the Lord? You ever heard that before? And, we, and you're supposed to chunk your care up on God and walk away, <laughs> right? And never think about it ever again. And then we make people feel bad. But then you run back to the altar and you grab that care and put it on your shoulder again. We've all, I've, how many of you done that with me? Right? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Writing, write more. And he told me it's going to be easy for you. That's right. And I'm, and I'm reading all these books that say, like, you're going to struggle. And, like, I know there are times, like, and he goes, and I remember it was just like the critic who goes, I said. That's right. Hey, it's going to be easy. It's going to be easy for That's you. right. So who are you believing, these people? Or me. Or me. Yeah. That's right. It was a really clear, like, right. moment. Well, so the wrestle was in me. Say, well, who am I going to believe? Yeah. And I had to really kind of do all that. But yeah. Remember that when you're saying that, like, nothing is impossible. Even when he's speaking to you, like, no rhema is like, impossible. Yeah. Well, but it, it, well, there, well, there's that, right? Well, how do we cast our care? Yeah. Well, I first to say that helps you. Oh, God, my care is my purpose of writing. My care is, I know I, I know I need more persuasion and healing. My care is, I need more persuasion that you're going to take care of me. My care is, right, whatever you can identify your care is. Oh, then that should instantly go, how am I going to cast my care on the Lord? I need to be looking. I need to go to the verses. And now here's the thing. How many of you, and I know this is going long. Have you ever been disappointed? And now this is going to sound just just crack crazy. How many of you have ever been disappointed by the Bible? Come on now. You've, <laughs> you've been disappointed. You've read it and you've, well, you, you've read it and you've read it. And if I came up to you and I said, so Kevin, you're going to have to go look at X, Y, Z verse. And you go, ah, not that verse again. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> not right. Come on. Not that verse I, re- I remember, and I'll tell on him, he probably never watches our stuff anyway, but it's okay, I'll pick on him. But, um, oh, and Selena says I shouldn't name people. I'm sorry, I'm bad about that. I won't do that. But there was a fella, that, there's a fella that we used to do ministry with, and he would tell this, and he told this story, and I don't mind, he told this story publicly. But when Brother Hagen was with us, and we were talking a lot about the joy of the Lord and laughing and, and those Holy Ghost things, he didn't believe in it. Like he didn't believe, and he finally talked about, you know, that he would be tracking with Brother Hagin and amen until Brother Hagin said, go to Psalms chapter, and he would name the verse, and Philip would, oh, I said his name. And he'd, 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 he'd snap his Bible closed, he'd snap his Bible closed and go, I'm not listening to that again. Why? Because we've been disappointed. Come on. So, sometimes you have to sit there and go, God, this is my least favorite verse. Because yeah. <laughs> I have been disappointed by this verse countless times. Come on, I'm talking to somebody. I've been disappointed by this passage. Of, and sometimes what God does in the Holy Spirit is you go to him and you say, Lord, I need my care is. And he's going to, hey, listen, um, I'm going to plug you into that verse. And I just need you to stay there until you hear me. 
Oh, thank you, Holy Ghost. Have you ever wondered, right, why Jacob wrestled with God for something he already had? (laughs) Have you ever ever read that passage? Jacob, it's been prophesied and declared, Jacob, you're the blessed one. I mean, God told him. Be, he told the mom and dad, hey, there's two boys in you, two nations, one warring against the other, and the, the younger one will be greater than the older one, and the older one will serve the younger one all the days of his life. And you ever, you know, and all the stuff that happened and all the stuff going on, and all of a sudden there's Jacob in the desert, and he's going to square up with God, and they start tussling, right? Right, and finally Jesus says, hey, listen, let me go. I won't let you go. Till you bless me. <laughs> and, and, and Jesus is like, really? really? We, we, we're going there again. You've already been blessed. But Jacob, in some arguing with the mirror, said, no, you ain't. I got to beat you. I got to earn it. And so God reaches in and it says it dislocated his inner thigh, popped his hip out of socket. Oh. Right? <laughs> and Jacob said, okay, fine, bless me. <laughs> right, listen to me. But it says that Jacob limped for the rest of his life. Have you ever, Jacob had a grace-filled limp. Because it was already done. He was fighting God for something he already possessed. You know, God's, God will, he loves a good wrestle. Right? God will wrestle with you. He's like a, a good dad. Like, I, you know, I encourage them. I need to wrestle with him more anyway. But courage them, love to wrestle. My boys love to wrestle me, Caleb especially. Remember that? We'd wrestle. Right? And he'd come like a whirlwind. Going to get you. Right? You know. And every now and then, you had to put a squeeze on them. To teach them, hey, listen, right? But listen, please, don't wrestle with God for something you already got. (laughs) Don't make God have to make you limp with grace because you just won't believe him the first time. But if you're just bound and determined... To have a good old wrestle, God will, God will play. And he'll play with you, and he'll pop your bone out of joint if need to to get you to stop and go, oh, yeah, you've already done that. Oh, okay. Yeah, you've already called me to that, haven't you? I don't have to go around that mountain again. Right, I'll pick on my wife, right? <laughs> right, you know enough. There's nothing more you need to learn. You don't need more education. You don't, don't need another class. Right? There's nothing else you need. Oh, God. You just need to say thank you. You just need to, again, need to yield. And just say, okay, God, I, I yield. And God, remember, yielding is just saying yes. You know, you don't need another job. Not that it's bad you got the job you got, but you didn't need that. Right? You don't need another person. Right? 
You don't need another word from somebody else. Right? Does that make sense? See, it, it's about yielding to the rhemas. Like Mary did. Okay, God, got it. I got it, God. I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. There is no rhema. Nothing you have spoken to me is devoid of power. Will not come back. Remember that verse? Will not come back to me empty-handed. Right? Does, does that make sense? Does that help anybody this morning? See, guys, that, how do you, that's what you're reading for. That's what your Bible studying for. That's what you're meditating for. I, I, that's what you're confessing for. That's what you're, all of these wonderful, great, practical practices. And please hear me. We should do them. But I'm doing them so I can say BR549. Lord, connect me. Connect me. Close the gap. Close the space of my connection. I never finished this. There's so much here, right? Remember four types of ground, right? Some areas of my heart, I might be just as hard as that table. Right. Because I'm just not even yielded at all to that, right? Or maybe I'm just ignorant. <laughs> I just don't know that yet. I ain't never heard that part yet, right? But it says when, when ramas fall on that, it's easy for the devil to swoop in and eat the seed that was sown. Because either ignorance or total unwieldedness, unyieldedness, sorry. Right? Most of us are not that. Most of us were the other two. Right? If I be honest, it says the stony ground, right? I love what it says. One version says, because they had no depth in themselves. There was no depth of persuasion, right? Because some of those stones are just old things we've heard. They're old belief systems that have been put in place. They're things and there's no depth of persuasion in my heart. So when the seed is sown, it springs up. It, it, it flowers a little bit. But then it says, but because the word, God said, I wish I, because of persecution for the word's sake. Now, that's not persecution by the word, but what happens is, is it's like a plant. When a plant grows up, you know, I've heard me maybe tell this story before. I'm a very amateur gardener, and I started some seeds in a tray one time and didn't know I was supposed to harden them off. You know what hardening off is? If you grow, grow and start seeds inside, and it's a nice little climate-controlled environment, and the air's all the same, and they're in the little windowsill, and it's all comfy and cushy, and the little plant pops up, and you just yank it up and go, yay, I've got tomatoes, and you run outside, and you stick them outside, and they go, whoop, because <laughs> they weren't hardened off. They, they hadn't experienced the persecution, not of themselves, but the persecution of the environment around them. See, when you, the word springs up in your life and the word begins to come to fruit in your life, the world around you is like that. It's, it's hot, right? Windy, turbulent, stormy. stormy, right? And if there's no depth of persuasion, then your little hothouse plant goes bloop. <laughs> Does that make sense? Right? So we get some of these false beliefs out, some of these traditions of men out, some of these philosophies of the age out. Those are the stones that prevent persuasion. Right, but if I can be honest, if, and I'm just gonna, gonna be just real, real clear if I look around this room, by the Spirit of God, 
Most of us ain't even that. Most of us are the third ground. The weedy ground. The cares of this life. The deceitfulness of riches. Right? That grow up with the word. Our persuasion is pretty deep. We're all word people. We're all there. Right? But the cares, things grow up with us that choke out the fruitfulness of the word. Right? And those things are challenges, right, to what God is doing. Right? They're back again. There are opinions. Those those things we've talked about before that are in competition with the obedience of Christ. Right? Again, I, I need more education. I need more money. I need more X. I need more influence. I need more people. I need more. And we can, the list can go a yard long. Right? Amen. But as we come and let him do that, he'll help us weed out the garden of our heart. Does that make sense? Remember I told you? Um, even when we talk about prosperity, as we talk about it in the coming months ahead, because we'll, we'll talk about that before the end of the year as well. I told you I want you to live so ready for heaven that you're aggravated by being here. Right? We've talked about through this year, I want you to be so free from your sin that it's not a problem anymore. Right? We're in the middle of really talking. About, I want us to understand we're so healed that coronavirus ain't nothing anymore. Amen. Nothing aches, pains, doctors, whatever. Ain't no, I, I am healed. Right? I want us to get to a place of prosperity where money don't matter no more. Does that make sense? Do you understand that a real definition of prosperity is when money just doesn't move me anymore? That's what Paul said. Paul said, I'm so prosperous that when I got lots of money, I ain't moved by it. And when I'm a base or broke, is what that word means, I'm not moved by that either. <laughs> See, the real prosperity gospel is money does not move me. The abundance of money does not motivate me into action. Nor does the lack of money motivate me into a lack of action. I'm not moved by money. Because I can be, I can be rich, I can be poor. Those things do not move me anymore. And I can go from one to other very fluid. Because like the Macedonians... They were already poor, and they went poor, believe it or not. And Paul said, and they're rich. Because that was their, her whole analogy in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9. Hey, let's go be like the Macedonians, who in the abundance of their poverty emptied everything else that they had. And I tried to stop them, and they said, oh, Paul, stop it. It's just money. <laughs> Amen. Okay. I can see some of y'all ain't quite ready for that yet. Amen. Amen. But that's persuasion. Amen. So, Father, we love you so much, and we're just here today. Lord, I believe you've already talked to everybody here um, when we were having communion. Lord, you, you began to speak to them about their next place of connection, where you're trying to hook them up. I know, uh, I know because that's what you did with me. Uh, so thank you for that. Lord, our commitment today is uh, we're going to stay there. 
we're, we're going to let that connection be, and we're going to come to the Bible, the physical Bible, and let you then begin to talk to us from our spirit Bible and connect those two things together to close the gap on our persuasion. And we look forward to hearing and seeing what that's going to produce. In Jesus' name, amen.